0: So continuing on Christian maturity, I know you have all have matured quite a bit since we started because we've been doing this for a long time, right? So we've got three more weeks after this one and then uh, Brian uh, Blake will be here to teach starting in March. Um, Pam Crown sent me this um, after our last lesson. And this, I want to read this just to show you, um, and you guys know this, how much, of our every day, our day-by-day is tied up in these kinds of thoughts. No, we're talking about theology, right? But there's so much in literature and song and whatnot that has to do with this and expresses it the same way. You know, we talked about Star Trek a few weeks ago. Same thing, expressing these deeper things that we're all concerned about. So here, this is uh, from a song called Take Me Back. I, I don't remember. Who did the song? Who did? Andre Crouch, okay. Uh, take me back, it says, Take me back, take me back, dear Lord. Take the place where I first believed you. Take me back, take me back, dear Lord, where I first believe. I feel that I'm so far from you, Lord, but still I hear you calling me. These simple things that I once knew, the memories are drawing me. I must confess, Lord, I've been blessed, but yet my soul's not satisfied. Renew my faith, restore my joy, and dry my weeping eyes. I tried so hard to keep to make it all alone. I need your help just to make it home. So there's a lot expressed here. Um, our isolation without connection to God, that last part, I tried so hard to make it all alone. We talked about the conversation, right? We talked about the people who are isolated, even in their knowledge of Christ and knowledge of the Bible. Remember, Augustine called those the, the curious, those that want to hold on to their knowledge. They were sort of alone in everything that they do. They're not sharing back and forth. It's not a conversation for them. It's an ownership. Uh, he says further, I need your help just to make it home. Take me back, take me back, dear Lord, appealing to God, to the place where I first believed you. Talking about regeneration, right? God has done something in him to help him believe, to make him believe. Take me back, take me back, dear Lord, where I first believe. Again, we have regeneration. After that, we have sanctification, our growth and maturity, with that beginning bit of sanctification, followed by that growth afterward. I feel that I am so far from you, Lord, but still I hear you calling me those simple things that I once knew, the memories are drawing me. I must confess, Lord, I have been blessed, but yet my soul's not satisfied. The hunger again. What is love? Love is a deep desire. It's a hunger for something, for someone, for their own sake. It's a craving, Augustine says. Uh, love is a kind of craving. That's what he's expressing here, expressing what we see as a higher theology. Renew my faith. Renew my faith. Bring my faith higher. He knows it's in the hand of God. God is sovereign over these things. Even as we grow, even as we sanctify and we make our own efforts, Uh, God is doing the work through the Holy Spirit. Restore my joy and dry my weeping eyes. A craving again for God. Now, our general theme for today is going to be guidance. You know, we've talked about maturity in a variety of ways so far, talked about this conversation between uh, uh, the believer and God and how that conversation builds uh, as that conversation goes back and forth. How does that translate into guidance? How is God guiding us? It's a question we ask all the time, isn't it? How do I know what God wants me to do? What is God's plan for my life? So forth and so on. How does that happen? It happens in the context that we've already been talking about. It happens in the context of this... um, of this conversation that goes back and forth. God speaks to us, and again, we speak back to him. Even in that that song that I just read, if you're not speaking back, you're not part of the conversation. If you're not praying, if you're not uh, availing yourself of the means of grace, okay, Um, church, hearing the word, praising, praying in particular, if you're not talking back, you're not part of that conversation. Very important thing to know. We think that we're here, we're listening all the time, reading our Bibles every day, so forth and so on, and God is sovereign, he's going to work through you, in you, so forth and so on. And yes, he does, but part of what God prescribes for us is that we talk back to him. So, guidance has a lot to do with that whole conversation. It's not just listening, it's actually talking back. You know, and medicine and in other places where people have to learn a lot of things. We're teaching patients all the time. What do we do with them? We want them to talk back. If you're really good at getting them to understand your instructions, if you're really concerned about it, you're going to sit there with them as they tell you what you just told them. That's what we do with God, isn't it? Okay? We pray with our Bibles open. Right? who are actually speaking back to him what we understand from our Bibles. It's talk back, just like we use in many different circumstances. not just medicine. I'm concerned about patients knowing what they're supposed to do. But in anything where you're teaching somebody a new industrial process, a new skill, whatever, you have to have them talk back to you, or you don't know if they've got it or not. They haven't internalized it yet. So guidance has to do with this conversation, that we've been talking about as well. Sounds like it's working okay. I wanted to start with Colossians 1, 9 through 14. I think we've read this before. It says, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience and joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us from the kingdom of his beloved Son, um, in whom we have redemption. forgiveness of sins. There's a lot about guidance there, a lot about things that we've talked about already. Uh, We want to be filled with the knowledge of his will, guidance of God, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We want to hear his word. We want to understand it. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that's greater maturity all the time, isn't it? Fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, that's maturity, isn't it? We're talking about maturity. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. It's kind of a funny, funny phrase, isn't it? Has qualified you. Qualified really means made qualified. Has made you qualified. Has in, has matured you. Has given you that knowledge that. Ability. So it's made qualified or made competent. He's given you that ability through the Holy Spirit. So, who has made, uh, who has qualified you or made you qualified or made you competent to share in the inheritance of the saints in light? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the domain of His beloved Son. So, through all that conversation that we were talking about earlier in this passage, He's taking you from one state to another, okay? Remember the example that I gave you, and these are, the, these are Augustine's words, um, curious to studious. You remember the balls, okay? The ball that you couldn't see through, okay? The domain of darkness. There's very little light getting in. There's not much coming out. That person's not interacting with anybody. Other, other people, God, he wants it all himself, okay? Okay? So he's transferred us, uh, from the, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, from that domain of being self-focused to that domain of being in conversation with God and with his people. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. That state of being, of being studious that Augustine described has all those characteristics of being in the kingdom of God and knowing that you're in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He's transferred us to that, that, that place where we have a conversation with him, where we not only hear what he has to say, but we talk back to him in a rehearsal, in a, a notification of understanding of what we've, we've heard from God. That conversation is very important. Um, Colossians 2, 2, and 3, that their hearts might be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of, of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That speaks to another part of this thing that we've been talking about, this conversation with God. Remember this conversation, this intimate conversation that occurs between two people or between God and us and us back to God, okay, okay? That has to do with what? Revealing secrets, uh, self-disclosure, telling intimate things about ourselves to somebody else. In Colossians 2, 2, and 3, as that conversation gets bigger and bigger and you have a closer, closer, more intimate relationship, um, Colossians 2, 2, and 3 says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. You can only be knit together if you have that conversation Going in both directions to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. We said Jesus Christ and redemption is a mystery for a lot of people, okay? They don't get it. The Holy Spirit, God has not applied that to them yet. When God works in us through the Holy Spirit, that we understand that. You guys know He's telling you a secret. He's telling you something that's very intimate about how he deals with us, what his plans for us have always been, how he glorifies himself. It's a mystery. It's a secret. It's an intimate conversation that's going on here. It goes on further, In whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Hidden, again, those intimate things, those secrets that God gives to us um, is... Uh, the way uh, God carries us out and again in an intimate fashion what we do when we're talking back to God in prayer in particular is we're revealing to him what we understand Okay, now probably none of us here can really tell the other people here what's really here in terms of what I believe about God it's hard to express, hard for me to get it through to somebody else and the purpose is different when I'm talking to you than when I'm talking to God it's a very intimate conversation. It's a secret, really, that I'm telling God about what I understand about him, even as I'm praising him, thanking him in prayer. It's a very secret, very intimate type of thing. Nobody else knows about your particular relationship with God. So this is part here of what Colossians 2 and two, 2 and 3 is describing, that intimate uh, conversational relationship between the individual and God. So spiritual guidance, how do we get it? We've been talking about it already. We hear, okay? Remember, we said last time that um, poetry in particular, but everything really, is both oral and oral, right? Talked about the homophones, not the homophobes, I'm sorry, the homophones, okay? Talk about the homophones, two words that sound alike but are really different. Oral, speaking something, and oral, hearing something. God speaks and we hear, okay? Both of those things are important. They're important in the Bible, in what God says to us, okay? But they're also uh, important uh, in our conversations with each other as well. Remember last time we talked about the dopamine, you know? Somebody speaks to us, it's an intimate conversation. This thing up here is working, all these chemicals up here, uh, the dopamine in your brain, that's the transmitter that makes you apply that to understand it, all of those things. So God speaks, and what happens, dopamine builds up in your brain, then when you speak back to him, when you speak back to him, is when that dopamine is released and has an effect in your brain. You see how important both sides of that conversation are? These are things that we know today, okay, Uh, We're understood for all time, really, but in a different way. Uh, Everybody back in um, Old Testament times understood that you needed to talk back to God, right? But we now know, we know today, chemically, biologically, how that happens. It's an absolute necessity that this goes in both directions. It's oral, it's aural, and we speak back, and we know, again, Jesus is a man right? Jesus is at the the right hand of God. He was raised from the dead, okay? He went to heaven, sits at the right hand of God as a man. These same things happen in Jesus when you talk with him. We tend not to think about that. Fully man, fully God, okay? Fully physical at the right hand of God. So that man-to-man interaction, that human-to-human interaction is what's happening as you speak to Jesus Christ, okay? He becomes very personal to us because these same things happen to him as he talks to us and we talk back to him. Um, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Second John uh, 6, and this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard From the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Revelation one three, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Okay? So reads aloud, says in Revelation, just as we've been talking about. You know, poetry, and most of what's in the Bible is poetry, is meant to be read aloud. Okay, we read it, you might hear it in your head when you're reading it, but it's meant to be read aloud so that you can hear it orally, okay, so that you can hear it with your ears. It's so our revelation says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. Okay, the one who reads aloud, we can read it aloud to each other, in addition we can know that that Jesus is actually reading aloud to us and reading through so that we hear and we know his will. James 1.19, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to, sp- sl- slow to speak, and slow to anger. Okay, quick to hear, slow to speak, or listen to God. It doesn't say don't speak, okay. It says slow to speak. Consider, okay, Know um, what you're saying, know who you're speaking to, so to speak back to God, but do speak back to Him. The secret things in verse 29, Deuteronomy 29:29, 29, 29, uh, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. OK? Remember we're talking about secrets. The secret things, God holds a lot of those. For himself right he doesn't reveal everything to us, okay secret things belong to the Lord or God, but the things that are revealed those are secrets also most people who are not Christian or are not not in touch with God these they know that these are secrets they don 't understand them the way we do. We know that they're secrets too we know that these are intimately given to us by God. the secret things belong to the Lord. Our God, and He determines what He is going to give to us. He t- determines what that self disclosure is going to be. God is telling us about Himself. Secrets are self disclosure, but the things that are revealed belong to us. They come to us, we respond back to God with them. Um, let's look at 1 Corinthians 2. This is a longer uh, passage. And I think it speaks to a lot of what we're talking about, First Corinthians 2, uh, pro- proclaiming Christ crucified. It says, uh, "And I, uh, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of god yet among the mature we do not impart wisdom although it is not a i'm sorry yet among the mature we do impart wisdom although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but he but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to, so as to instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. I wanted to go through this because, again, it pertains very much, um, it it describes very much what we've been talking about. Um, Verse 1, And and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God uh, with lofty speech or wisdom. Again, that's the speech of the world. It's that speech that tends to isolate people. Okay, Lofty speech or wisdom is something... Um, a lot of you may understand. Uh, a lot of what people write, they write and they say, This is my own, okay? I own this. Even if it's factual material, you've discovered something scientifically, and you say, Well, this is mine. I discovered it. If you want to use what I've written, you have to copyright. You have to cite me in, in your work. Uh, otherwise, it's plagiarism, right? So the world handles knowledge this way, okay? This is the lofty speech or wisdom that um, Paul is talking about here, okay? It's that wisdom that people draw to themselves, and they think they own, they think they understand it. And Paul does not come to us that way. We don't speak to each other that way either. Lofty speech and wisdom. We don't have that isolated language that says, here, I'm the smart guy, okay? And I'm going to tell you something, you may not understand it, but this is my knowledge, this is me, I'm exalting myself. Okay, That's again, that's that dark globe that we held up before. It's that isolated way of being. For I decided not to know, uh, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Okay, That's more intimate speech, isn't it? That's something that's more open. This thing about Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, okay, and him crucified, that's very open and intimate language. Nobody can own that, can they? Who would say that I own that particular fact, that particular bit of speech? Nobody owns that. It's an open bit of knowledge, something that God has given to us, to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's that little secret, right? That Paul brought, that God gave to us, that beginning of the intimate speech is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. What does that describe to you? It might describe a situation that Paul was in, but the other thing that that tells you, that this verse tells you, is that this is an intimate situation, okay? Together, what? I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. That's a group or a couple of people talking to each other in a, in a very intimate situation, a situation that has that drawn them together. Maybe they're afraid of something. Maybe they're afraid of a lot of things, but this uh, weakness and fear and trembling is the intimate situation. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit, And of power. Again, not the words of the world, but the words that are applied by the Spirit. This conversation that goes back and forth between God and us describes this further so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, because it's spoken by God, applied by the Spirit. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Okay? Once we have that regeneration, that beginning of sanctification, this becomes wisdom to us, doesn't it? God has changed our hearts. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, again, the rulers of this age are those people who exist in that dark globe. Okay, They're not sharing with each other. It's not a wisdom that they have that goes throughout eternity. That just doesn't happen. When you're holding this, this is your own wisdom. These are the things that you have declared to be true. Um, Those are the wisdom of this age, the rulers of this age, and that wisdom, that dark globe, that thing that's not open to everybody else and open to God, is doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Okay, Look at that. This is the an example of this conversation that we've been describing, isn't it? Secret and hidden wisdom of God. God is undergoing, he's giving self disclosure. Secret and hidden wisdom of God. And then to draw your minds to that as well, he gives you, remember we talked about stretch or wonder. You know, you could say something kind of in a, a deadpan kind of way and not get anybody's attention. If you want to get their attention, you've got to do a little something extra, okay? You have to really make it wonderful what you're saying. This is what God is doing here. But we impart a secret and, wisdom, and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. That really stretches that fact, doesn't it? Paul says, we're giving you facts about God, but then he says, look at this. God decreed this before the ages, okay? Okay. Um, for our glory. That really makes that bigger, doesn't it? It's not just wisdom. It's not just facts decreed before the ages for our glory. Talking about the wonder of God, the wonder of all of this. Verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What happens when you're looking at information, you're looking at facts, you're looking at the world, you're looking at your world, and you're saying, well, this is all mine, okay? I'm stuck in this little dark globe here, okay? And I understand things perfectly from my own point of view, right? This is what we say, isn't it? None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It's a separate group of people, okay? Those are the, the, those are the curious, okay? They're not the studious, they're not the ones that understand God. But it is, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us uh, through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Remember, this is intimate relationship, intimate language that God gives us. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? which is in him, so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What is the mediation of this conversation? How does it happen? You can have the Bible, the Word of God, God speaking to us, and we can be speaking back. But what is the mediation? The mediation is the Spirit. How is it applied? Why is it that the dopamine increases in your brain? Okay, Because the Holy Spirit applies this to you. This is the way God made it to happen. Um, Verse 13, And we impart in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Remember, we get the secret, okay? We're getting the understanding that nobody else gets. That's what verse 13 is about. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. They're in the dark globe, right? They're not open to what God is bringing. They're not open to the Holy Spirit. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. What does that mean? That's kind of strange, isn't it? You ever stumble over that verse? What does that mean? The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Again, it's the difference between that person who exists in the dark globe okay, and the one that exists in that clear globe. Remember when I held it up a few weeks ago? You could hardly see it because it was perfectly clear. The spiritual person judges all things. person in the light globe judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. This person in the dark sphere who doesn't relate to other people doesn't relate to God because he's stuck in his own dark little world, Okay, can't possibly judge this person who lives in this clear globe, who's receiving God, who's giving to other people intimate relationships. Those two things don't go together. You can see that if you're, if you're envisioning those two globes. They can't possibly relate to each other. And that's what this means. A spiritual person, person judges all things. He sees all things. God reveals a lot of things to him. He's the one in that clear globe again. He sees God as much as God will reveal himself to him. He's there in the clear globe. He can see, he can judge things. If you live in that dark globe, what can you judge? Nothing. Because you see very little of truth in your world. You receive very little truth from God. Remember? That was a translucent globe, that dark one. Light gets in, okay? But it's really not enough to really do that person much good in, when you're living in yourself. For, uh, let's see, verse 16, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Think of the intimate conversation again. We have the mind of Christ. Jesus has spoken to us, Okay? We've received it. We get excited about it. It's wonderful to us. You know, that stretch or wonder is there. We received it. We have that wonder. We have the mind of Christ. Uh, the dopamine is building up in your brain. You guys, I don't know if you like that physiology. I love it. It's great stuff. But the neat thing about it to me is that here is what God has created. Everything that he has done is consistent And so when we get to his science, we can see how this revelation, God's revelation of himself to us, has an effect inside that person. Dopamine, okay? A lot of things. A lot of things the Holy Spirit does, but this is just one part of it. And then again, we're speaking to a human being. We're speaking back to a human being, to Jesus Christ himself. Same thing is happening in his brain. And so you end up with this intimate um, conversation. Um, talking about guidance once again. I was struck um, by uh, Pastor Ben's sermon on Jeremiah 44, and I wanted to go over some of that, okay? It uh, might take the rest of our time, but I, I think it's worth it. Um, there are some interesting things in there about guidance and about talking back and forth to God. I think you'll remember, I think you'll relate to the fact that this is about God's guidance. You know, it's pretty easy to see here. Uh, Jeremiah 44, starting with verse 1, uh, the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the Judeans who lived in the land of Egypt, at Migdal, at Tapanes, at Memphis, and in the land of Pathros, okay? The word is coming, right? Thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, you have seen all the disaster that I brought upon Jerusalem and upon all the cities of Judah. Behold, this day they are a desolation, and no one dwells in them. God has told us this. That's what's going to happen. If we look at 1 Corinthians, I don't have this in your handout, I don't think. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about building on the foundation of Christ. And if you're not building in the right way with the right stuff, what happens? God tests that with fire. And the stuff that is not true to God falls apart. It's not there anymore. This is what's being described in the Old Testament here. Um, You have seen all the disaster that I brought upon Jerusalem and upon the cities of Judah. Behold this day, there are desolation, and no one dwells in them because of the evil that they committed, provoking me to anger, and that they went to make offerings and serve other gods that they knew not, neither they nor you nor your fathers. Interesting verse in it, isn't it? They went to make offerings and serve other gods that they knew not. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? Okay, let's go back a little bit in our study here. Um, you remember we talked about talking back to God, and part of that talking back is prayer, but it's also our worship, it's our praise, it's our being here in church, it's availing ourselves of the means of grace, all the things that we do in worship is part of our talking back to God. This, that, that thing that we, this conversation that goes back and forth. They went to make an offerings and serve other gods. They were talking to somebody else. They weren't talking to God. Is what they were saying. These these acts of worship are, yes, their exaltation of whatever gods they might be thinking about. But it, this is our conversation with God. It's our worship of Him. Our praise. Our thanksgiving. Is our conversation. They were talking to somebody else. They weren't talking to God. Remember, in these first couple of verses, it talks about the word that came from God. And who are these guys talking to? Somebody else. But look what also it says. To serve other gods, talk to other gods that they knew not. They didn't even know who they were talking about. This is saying, Jeremiah is saying here, they didn't know who they were talking to. They didn't care who they were talking to. Okay, What they wanted is not to talk to God. Okay, They were stuck in this... Dark world, right? In that curious world, the dark globe, and they were talking to themselves. Okay, they weren't talking to any other gods. Jeremiah tells us they went to make offerings and serve other gods that they knew God, they knew not. They were separating themselves from God. They were not continuing in um, their conversation with God, which had begun earlier. I wanted to stop here, and let's look at a Wordsworth poem I mentioned before, but we haven't gone through it yet. It's a complaint. It's on your handout. Very interesting things to say. It has a similar theme to what we've been talking about here in Jeremiah. A complaint by William Wordsworth. William Wordsworth it goes like this. It says, there is a change, and I am poor. As we go through this, Think about the speaker as being God, okay? Uh, And I think this will all fit together for you. There is a change, and I am poor. Your love hath been nor long ago, not long ago, he says. Your love has been nor long ago a fountain at my my fond heart's door. Not long ago you were expressing a lot of love for me, okay, is what he says. A fountain at my fond heart's door, whose only business was to flow... And flow it did, not taking heed of its bounty or my need. A fountain there between Israel, between us, between anybody, any Christian, and God. Your love hath been not long ago, nor long ago, a fountain at my fond heart's door. God is listening fondly to his people, okay? Your love had been a fountain at my fond heart's door. God loves us his fond heart, he loves us, uh, whose only business was to flow, that only business, the love that, God have for, has the gov, that God's people have for him, their only business, okay, our only business, whose only business was to flow, and flow it did, not taking heed of its own bounty or my need, okay? We love God, If we're immersed in him, remember we talked about immersion, being fully immersed in God, okay? Uh, Remember, full immersion in God is assurance. When you're fully immersed in God, okay, you've got full assurance of your relationship with him. And as we've said before, we don't even think about assurance when you're fully immersed. You're not even asking that question. Am I assured? Am I okay with God? Okay? When you're fully immersed in him, you're not even thinking about that. In here, um, uh, uh, Wordsworth says the same thing. Whose only business was to flow and flow it did, not taking heed of its own bounty, of the amount of love that we're giving, and not even thinking about the fact that God may or may not need that love. Okay, we know that God has need of nothing. That doesn't mean know that he doesn't. That doesn't mean that he doesn't enjoy our love, but. We're not even thinking about that. Our love is flowing toward him. Going on with the poem, what what happy moments did I count? Blessed was I with all bliss above. Okay, those were happy moments for me. I was blessed with all bliss above, God in heaven. Now, for that consecrated font of murmuring, sparkling, living love, what have I? Shall I dare to tell a comfortless and hidden well. Think about Israel, right? They're no longer talking to God. They're no longer worshiping God. They're worshiping really themselves, right? Because they're not, they're not even talking to gods that, they, uh, gods that they know. They're talking and worshiping themselves. So Wordsworth says, um, now for that consecrated font of murmuring, sparkling, living love, what do I have now? Same as what uh, said in Jeremiah. What have I... Shall I dare to tell a comfortless and hidden well? There's no comfort in this. You're not really talking to me. A well of love, it may be deep, I trust it is, and never dry. What matter if the waters sleep in silence and obscurity? Such change, and at the very door of my fond heart, hath made me poor. Okay. God is saying that he is poor with regard to the love of his people there. Just like Jeremiah is saying, I'm poor with regard to the love which you had given to me, which now you isolate to yourself. A well of love, it may be deep. I trust it is and never dry. What matter if the waters sleep in silence and obscurity? Such change and at the very door of my fond heart hath made me poor. We think of the image of the door. Remember, door goes both ways. Door opens to things, but it also closes to things, and very often we close our minds to God, just like the people of Israel did, in as described in uh, Jeremiah uh, 44. So that love which had been there before and pouring out is now is now um, withdrawn, basically not expressed toward God. Verse four, then, in Jeremiah 44. Um, Yet I persistently sent to you all my servants, the prophets. I continued to speak to you, sent you my prophets, saying, Oh, do not do this abomination that I hate. Still part of that infinite conversation, isn't it? That intimate conversation. And they did not listen or incline their ear to turn from their evil and make no offering to other gods. Okay? Not speaking. They're not, they didn't stop their speaking really to themselves. They're not inclining their ears to, to God. There's no conversation going on here, is there? Okay? We know they're being unfaithful, but there's also no conversation. That intimacy is gone. Therefore, my wrath and my anger are, were poured out and kindled in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, and they became a waste and a desolation as at this day. Okay? If you're not building your house in the proper way, then God tries it with fire. And it's destroyed. Not that you're no longer Christian, but you've done the wrong thing. Verse 7, And now thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Why do you commit this great evil against yourselves to cut off from you, man and woman, infant and child, from the midst of Judah, leaving you no remnant? Okay? Interesting question. Why do you commit this great evil against yourselves? We're talking about disrespecting God, not worshiping God, so forth and so on. But what does God say? God says, why do you commit this great evil against yourselves? Uh, to cut uh, to cut off from you, man and woman, infant and child, from the midst of Judah, leaving you no remnant. Well, another poem here, okay, to help us look into this more deeply. Uh, Richard Wilbur, Advice to a Prophet. We've read a little bit of this before, okay? Advice to a Prophet. Think of this. As if it's occurring, uh, maybe even Jeremiah is saying this, okay? Think of this as if it's occurring in Jeremiah's time. Think about this prophet, this uh, poem that way. Advice to a prophet, when you come, as you soon must, to the streets of our city, mad-eyed from stating the obvious, not proclaiming our fall, okay, our fall, uh, really speaking about the fall, Not proclaiming our fall. Everybody knows that already, right? We need redemption in Jesus Christ. The prophet, he says, not proclaiming our fall, but begging us in God's name to have self-pity. Isn't that the same thing that Jeremiah just said? Uh, Why do you commit this great evil against yourselves? Why do you create this great evil against yourselves? In God's name, have self-pity, okay? He goes on, speaking to God now, um, speaking to the prophet. Uh, spare us all word of the weapons, their force and range, the long numbers that, uh, that rocket the mind. Our slow, unreckoning hearts uh, will be left behind, unable to fear what is too strange. Don't tell us about the destruction that he's saying to the prophet. Don't tell us about all the destruction that's going to happen. Uh, the long numbers that rocket our minds, the numbers of things that are going to be destroyed. Our slow unreckoning hearts will be left behind, unable to fear what is too strange. Okay? What he's saying is that we won't understand all that destruction part. That part's not going to get to our hearts the way it should. Okay? The poet is expressing his opinion. Nor shall you scare us with talk of the death of the race. How should we dream of this place without us? The sun, mere fire, the leaves untroubled about us, a stone look on the stone's face. Okay, How can we imagine the world without us? Okay. He's asking. That's something that's not going to get through, this, through to us. The destruction part doesn't get through to us, really. Um, the death of the race. You know, the world was created and man was given dominion, right? God created it that way. How are we going to imagine the world without us? Um, The poem goes on, speak of the world's own change. Though we cannot conceive of an undreamt thing, we know to our cost how the dreamt cloud crumbles. The vines are blackened by frost, how the view alters. We could believe if you told us so, that the white-tailed deer will slip into perfect shade grown perfectly shy, the lark avoid the reaches of our eye, the jackpine lose its knuckled grip. Uh, He's talking about we can believe things that we have seen and we can relate to, but if you give us these things of dreams, of things that are going to come, how can we really relate to that? Uh, How do we know about how uh, the dreamt... um, the dreamt things that we have never seen before. Though we cannot conceive of an undreamt thing, we know to our cost how the dreamt cloud crumbles, and so forth and so on. He's saying we know what happens in our own world. Things disappear. Uh, But the the things you say, Prophet, about the destruction of the world and our environment and our society, we really can't get. We have no conception of that. And he goes on, and the cold ledge and every torrent burn As Xanthus, Xanthus was a river, okay? It's gliding, trout stunned in a twinkling. What should we be without the dolphin's ark? The doves return. These things in which we have seen ourselves and spoken. We know our own world, okay? And we know how things come and go. We can't really conceive of things that we haven't seen before. He goes on, ask us, prophet, how we shall call our natures forth, when that live tongue is all dispelled, that glass obscured or broken, okay he 's getting to our spirit now, okay you guys probably need to read this form a bunch of times before you understand it, but ask us prophet, how we shall call our nature's forth when that live tongue you remember the discussion of the tongue in James, the evils of the tongue okay uh, something that we understand We're talking about uh, our na- uh that uh, ask us, Prophet, how we shall call our natures forth when that live tongue is all dispelled, that, that glass obscured or broken. We know our evil tongues. We know our evilness, that live tongue. Okay. Um, ask us if we can conceive when we're not able to be here and sinful as we've always been. And then, of course, talking about the glass darkly, how we see in a glass darkly dispelled, that glass obscured or broken, in which we have said the rose of our love and the clean clean horse of our courage, okay, in which beheld the singing locust of the soul unshelled and all we mean or wish to mean. Obscure language, I'm sorry about that. But he says, in which we have said the rose of our love, okay, we have spoken through that dark mirror with our tongue about our love for God, okay, in which we have said the rose of our love and the clean horse of our, our courage. I'm trying to use images to show the degree of our courage. And we've said that we have these things, love and courage. Ask us, ask us, he says, ask us, ask us, whether with the worldless rose our hearts shall fail us, come demanding whether there shall be lofty or long standing when the bronze, bronze annals of the oak tree close. That final stanza um, talks about when our relationship with God is gone. Ask us, ask us, whether with the worldless rose our hearts shall fail us. Jesus is the rose, right? The rose often is used to describe our love for him as well. Uh, with the worldless rose, when we're not here, we can't express the love for Jesus Christ. Will we understand uh, when all of this is gone? Uh, come demanding whether there shall be a lofty or long standing when the bronze annals of the oak tree close. The annals, you know, the annals are the annual rings in the oak. They're bronze. Those are the, he uses bronze to uh, use it as, uh, we're talking. Uh, perhaps about idols that we worship when the bronze annals of the oak tree close. When all of that's gone, when our idols are gone, when there's nobody for us to talk to anymore, when we're not worshiping ourselves anymore, will we understand what we have lost in our love for Christ? Uh, Well, I'm going to stop there. Um, uh, Again, try reading that poem uh, a few times. It's deep, but it does speak really to the same issue that we have here. Yeah. Yeah. Like in scripture, mm-hmm. um, that's, I think that's really imperative to mm-hmm. understand, and the reason is because simply the fact on paper of Christ's death and resurrection is the single most readily available information in the entire world is public knowledge, but the part that makes it secret is the fact that the Holy Spirit applies it to us and creates that relationship mm-hmm. that you're talking about. Call it chemistry. Why do you click with one person and the other? You can share the same information, mm-hmm. but there is an intangible. And I think because we're made in the image of God, and there's that spirit that you know mm-hmm. He has in the triune nature of Himself, and you know we're body, mind, and spirit. So I think there's something to be said about that yeah. relationship. Exactly. So, and it's, those are things we actually discussed in the last several weeks. I've, yeah. This is. Yeah. No. Yeah, but it's, it's exactly true. This is the way God made intimate relationships, even the intimate relationship with himself, with our Lord Jesus Christ, who is a man as well. So those relationships, the intimate relationships, even the chemistry that goes along with it, created by God, and it works among our relationships as well as our relationship with Jesus Christ. So, all right, well, uh, let's close in prayer.